Hit it. This is South Jersey's leader in sports coverage. At the six, to the end zone, he's in! Rowan Radio. Rowan Radio. 89.7 WGLS-FM, Glassboro. Touchdown, Rowan! Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM proudly presents Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. And now, here's your Monday host, Larry Dealman. And my mistakes, ladies and gentlemen, it is Friday, not Monday. And this is Connor Brown, as I will be taking over for the Offsides episode every Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. right here on Roan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. We have a packed show for you guys here today. Sorry for the uh, bit of delay, little technical difficulties, but, you know, we know how to adapt and uh, get the job done. So we're bringing you guys some live sports talk as we're going to preview some of the championship games coming up on Sunday along with a little basketball talk. And then at the end, we're going to talk about our favorite stories from 2022 when it comes to the sports world for our top five segment. Everyone just go around, introduce yourself, and uh, you know, tell me how your week has been because it's the Friday episode. I want to know how you guys – I want to know you guys had a great week and uh, are excited for the show. Well, I'm Nick Rizzo. Thanks to Connor Brown for passing that off. And, you know, my week's been great considering that – Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, we finally realized how superior Joel Embiid really is, is to him. So, yeah, that's been great to see so far. All right, thanks, Nick. <laughs> and Nick my now. name, <laughs> my name is Nick Carlson. So two Nicks here. Uh, I mean, none of my teams are in the playoffs nor in any type of contention to win or do anything. So, as long as the Eagles lose on Sunday, then I'll be happy. But if not. Really, I have nothing to root for. You know, it's crazy. I actually, I was rooting for that same thing, but, you know, I I, I don't think it's going to happen. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Shomer El Ben Yisrael. Um, my week has been pretty decent, you know? I mean, it, it was the highlight of my week. It had to be yesterday's win like in overtime against the Celtics. You know, the Knicks beat the Celtics in overtime. And a great win, a great win. Julius Randle did his thing, you know? But we're, we're going to talk about that later. We're going to talk about that later. But that was the highlight of my week. Yeah, that was definitely one of the highlights of my week as well when it comes to uh, to sports, seeing the Knicks, you know, finally pull out, you know, a clutch win against the Celtics in OT. But like Shomer said, we're going to talk about that later because I feel like we have a lot more pressing issues on hand as we head into the championship weekend of NFL football. Philadelphia Eagles will be taking on the San Francisco 49ers, and I, I think the same could be said for uh, both games that's going to be happening on Sunday. Both from each conference have both their best teams playing on mm-hmm. Sunday. Um, so I just want to get some of your thoughts, especially, you know, you know Nick Rizzo being an Eagles fan. And you, usually Eagle fans or just Philadelphia fans in general outweigh the other fans here at Rowan University. So it's nice to finally not be in the minority when it comes to the team that you root for. <laughs> well, I don't I would say with confidence that I have met far more North Jersey New York people than South Jersey Philly people since mm. I've been on campus at Rowan. 
That's I, just me, though. I, I yeah, meant like you know inside crazy. the sports department, but you know go go. Ahead. Oh, inside yeah. the sports yeah. department. You know, go ahead though, Nick. This I guess this is your show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, no reason not to be confident with the birds this weekend, especially. I know it was the Giants were proved that we're a far superior team than them last weekend, but uh, you know, yeah, no reason not to be confident, especially looking at to me the biggest uh, issue in this game is the quarterback difference. I think Jalen Hurts is a much better quarterback than Brock Purdy. You know, Brock Purdy has had success. But, you know, look at some of the schedule for the 49ers. Kind of had a few layups down the stretch there for them, which, you know, nothing to discredit Brock Purdy. He has done a great job, you know, going undefeated as a starter. Coming in midseason is nothing to sneeze at for sure. But at the end of the day, top to bottom, I think the Eagles have the best roster remaining in the playoffs. And I think that'll show on Sunday. And I think that ultimately will win in a close one at the link. Yeah, I, I think your point about the quarterback position being a huge factor on Sunday. I mean, it, it, it's, it's very true. We're going to get into it a little bit more, uh, specifically about Jalen Hurts and, and other quarterbacks in the NFL. A little later into this uh, Eagles 49ers talk, uh, as I was talking, Nick Carlson kind of looked at me with a smirk. So I didn't know if he was looking over – uh, something that he, he found funny or something that I said that he found funny. So I'm, just I, I'm, laughing curious. At, I'm laughing at what Nick said. Nick said, so there was layups for the Niners. The Eagles in their schedule, the, yeah. the nine worst defensive teams, Get the Eagles played them all this season. And the only team that they lost against was the Commanders. And I, I, I don't count the Gardner Minshew games, but with Jalen Hurts, the Commanders, number three defense, and they lost to them. So... Wow. Definitely something to look at here. I mean, you're going to face the number one defense. Okay. So, the my one concern about the Eagles this weekend is the fact that you look at that Washington game, you know, they were able to stick around throughout the game, and they were able to run all over the Eagles' defense. And, you know, if you look at majority of the Eagles' wins, a lot of them were blowouts throughout the season. Teams really didn't get a chance to establish their ground game early. And really, Washington was a team that was able to exploit that the most. I think San Fran is going to have a chance to do that this weekend. I think it's going to be a tight battle. And, you know, if CMC, I think he's one of the main, he's going to be one of the main differences in this one too. Because if he can get going on the ground and San Fran can start to extend their drives, take the game out of Brock Purdy's hands a little bit and just rely on a typical Kyle Shanahan rushing offense, then I think that could be a little dangerous for the birds. But... You know, up until then, we'll just have to see. Yeah, so now we're getting into talking about some X factors for the game. Uh, Nick pointed out CMC, Christian McCaffrey, and not only just him, too, uh, with the 49ers rushing attack. You also have to worry about Debo Samuels and uh, other guys getting involved. Uh, Shomer, I'm kind of curious to you uh, to hear what you have to say about, uh, you know, potentially X factors this weekend for either the Eagles or the uh, 49ers. Well, honestly, I'm looking at it from what can the offense of the 49ers really provide. You know, I mean, we all know what they can bring from, like, Debo Samuels to Christian McCaffrey. Brock Purdy does have to prove himself, and, yes, he did get some layups, but the Eagles been getting layups all season. So, I mean, um, it's 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 a little different, but I'm just really – I feel like their X factor is going to be George Kittle because George Kittle is mm-hmm. a games changer. He actually has been reviving his uh, – himself this season especially in the playoffs especially that last game that was that was something from him so I'm actually really going to pay attention to George Kittle in this game to see how he can uh really attack the Eagles defense 
So this week, Debo Samuels made some headlines for something he had to say about the Philadelphia Eagles uh, home crowd. Uh, I, I, I'm definitely uh, no Nick Rizzo is aware of it. I'm not sure if you guys have seen it too. Uh, but he says Philadelphia fans aren't as loud as the 49er fans. Yep. And, you know, I kind of want to get some of your guys' perspective on that. Uh, you know, is this him just, you know, kind of just answering um, with hope of, you know, getting some more added motivation from the from the crowd? Or is this a take that should even be taken seriously? Uh, it, it depends because, you know, like, as a, as a former intern from the Eagles, I would say uh, their home games are very, 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 very loud, very passionate. That's what I mean. Um, I don't know. Debo, then again, you know, Levi Stadium is, is pretty huge itself. And 49er fans are very, 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 like, they travel a lot, if mm-hmm. you haven't noticed. Like, every other stadium, they're, they're, they got a loud fan base. So, regardless, yeah. they're going to probably have some fans, and that's probably why Debo said he's not too worried about it. But at the same time, like, you're going to Philly, like, this is gonna. This is about to be something. Uh, to be honest, I love the way that this is playing out because <laughs> this is just giving me flashbacks to 2017, oh, when you know Minnesota fans at the Rocky Steps and all well, that. Well, you know, before the show uh, started here today, apparently there was a 49er shirt found <laughs> on the Rocky statue. Yeah. Oh wow. Earlier well, today. <laughs> so I mean, just the thing you're talking about, even with Minnesota, it's it's kind of all playing out again. That's that spells trouble for the 49ers. Let me say that. And then I don't even know why Debo Samuel would make that comment because now you just know that Eagles fans are gonna come out ten times harder on Sunday night. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I look at is Jonathan Gannon, Eagles defensive coordinator. He was on Minnesota's staff back in 2017, and he said that that game was by far the loudest, most vicious environment he's ever been a part of. So I would definitely expect more of that, especially now that Eagles, the Eagles and their fans have some more motivation. And just to add on to Debo's comments as well, there's recently been something going around called Brocky, and it's Brock Purdy instead of Sylvester Stallone, kind of on a knockoff Rocky there. So, you know, the 49ers, if we're looking at (laughs) off-the-field things – you know, some troubles brewing for them, I oh, would yeah. say. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm looking at this this 49er shirt shirt situation though that was found on on Rocky the 49er shirt. I almost have a feeling it was an inside job by either someone inside the Eagles or one of their fans, just because they know what gets them riled up, and they're definitely going to want them riled up on Sunday at the link. We're gonna have to take our first commercial break of the hour, but when we get back, we're gonna dive into. Um, a little discussion that's been going around some of the top quarterbacks in the NFL and where Jalen Hurts belongs in that discussion. You're tuned in to Offsides on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Tune in to Rowan Radio every Saturday afternoon from 5 to 8 p.m. for the Icon Rock Show with the icon himself, Gary D. Enjoy the very best classic and hard rock from Aerosmith to Black Sabbath to the Rolling Stones and more. Crank up the volume for the Icon Rock Show every Saturday from 5 to 8 p.m. Only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Also online at rowanradio.com. Melissa from Michigan. 
I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table. Daniel from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Wake up with Rowan Radio for the Early Bird Special. Every weekday starting at 7 a.m., our host will help you get through the morning with entertaining stories and special giveaways plus news, weather, traffic, and, of course, the music that matters. So start off your day right with the Early Bird Special every Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. Also online at rowanradio.com. Thanks to everyone who's tuned into this Friday edition of Offsides. January 27th, 2023. Before the break, we were talking a little bit about the NFC Championship game preview on what both teams are going to need to do to win. Some extra motivation added by 49er fans and Debo Samuel to the home crowd on Sunday. But before we get on to the AFC Championship, I kind of wanted to talk about some comments that were made this week by Bart Scott. Um, and talking about Jalen Hurts to him not being considered, you know, an elite quarterback or the upper echelon of quarterbacks in the NFL. And before the show started, uh, me and Sean were talking a little bit, and uh, he had a pretty good list of, uh, of not only players, but also categories to put him in. So, uh, Shomer, if you want to take this one over and just kind of talk me through uh, who you consider to be the elite quarterbacks in the NFL and uh, how you got to it. So, um, actually, this is actually according to Pro Football Focus, I'm assuming. Um, this, but it, it actually makes sense in terms of the tiers because what Bart Scott said, I mean, I, I get it with, like, you know, you want to put Jalen, he could be top five. But in this in this case, he is top five. So, I'm going to go ahead and read him off. So, in tier one, you have elite quarterbacks with Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, one and two. And then going to three through seven, you have your franchise quarterbacks with Burrow at three, Hertz at four, Herbert at five, T- uh, Tua at six, and Dak Prescott at seven, um, Trevor Lawrence at eight, and Lamar Jackson at nine. And then surrounded all off at 10 and below would be above average, uh, running out at 10 would be uh, Geno Smith, 11 respectively, Aaron Rodgers, uh, 12, Kirk Cousins, and then the last tier being useful but limited, uh, Daniel Jones for the Giants, Tom Brady at 14, for the Bucks, and then Jimmy Garoppolo at 15. Even though he is injured, I honestly think that he is more of a uh, above average or even a franchise. But to put Jalen Hurts in the in the franchise, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I, I kind of I, I do agree kind of with that assessment. I don't agree with them having Lamar Jackson so low. To me, Lamar Jackson is a franchise guy without a doubt, and at his best, is an elite guy. Did also say Kyler, too? I didn't hear Kyler. No, Kyler is actually outside of the Tier 4, actually. He's actually wow. ranked 16th. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if, if, if I absolutely love the list. I do like the way that they, they break it up, though, because I, I do think that there is a difference between the elite guys and the franchise guys. The franchise guys, on their best day, can be elite, but the elite guys are elite day in, day out. I would probably just add Joe Burrow to that elite list. Mm. You know, in two seasons— um, 
you know, three seasons, actually. First season he got hurt. Hasn't lost a playoff game except in the Super Bowl. Five and one playoff record so far. He's gone on the road, beaten Mahomes last year in the AFC Championship game. I mean, I, I don't know how much more Burrow has to do to not be considered an elite guy. Yeah, I would at this point to me, I would put Burrow above Josh Allen in that category. I think Burrow just has a type of consistency, a type of way of going about his business each and every day that Josh Allen hasn't completely grasped yet. I think at their top game, I think we've seen Josh Allen be better when he's at his best than Joe Burrow. But in terms of me, I kind of compare Burrow more to like a Tom Brady guy, just super consistent, just not giving Joe Burrow Tom Brady praise yet, but just the way that he goes about his business each and every day. I would probably put Mahomes and Burrow in the elite tier and then Josh Allen to me it's just Josh Allen hasn't completely completed his game yet he still has missing parts in his game and I would put him on the franchise and elite borderline I think he can be in that elite status but I just need to see a little bit more consistency out of him throughout the course of a full season and if we go back to uh, Bart Scott's comments he says in this league too often we confuse good with star with superstar it's only three superstar quarterbacks in the league. Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts is not a superstar. I would put Mahomes and Burrow, like I said, in the top two. I would still have Josh Allen above Jalen Hurts, but I think Jalen Hurts, with another good season or two, could potentially surpass Allen if he doesn't get I'm, rid of the turnovers. I mean, if he repeats this season, he he absolutely deserves it. And I kind of think it's funny what Bark Scott said, because part of it you, I, I agree with where you're saying the three guys are the superstars, but then just comparing them, calling Jalen Hurts not a superstar just isn't really accurate to me. Yeah. You know, I, I, nah. I feel like you, you can't have a positive with a negative way to label that because both are really, really good and – you know, Hurts right now is is in that top seven of quarterbacks that you take in the NFL. Um, so I, I mean, he is top five. Yeah. You know, I mean, he is top five. So basically, Nick, what you're telling me is that you would switch Burrow, put him at two, and then Allen at three. You would keep Jalen Hurts at five, at four, and then Herbert would stay at five. At the time being, I would keep Hurts at four. Just you know, with the season he had, MVP finalist, can't deny the type of season that he had. And, you know, now he's starting to add some playoff success to it as well. So, But wait, wait, wait real, real quick. What, what, what's the difference then? What's the, the difference, difference between Josh Allen at this point and Jalen Hurts at this point? Well, Haven't they had the same amount of success in the postseason? Yes, but I'm saying I would put Josh Allen above Jalen Hurts just for the sole fact that I think Josh Allen has more raw talent than Jalen Hurts. I think Josh Allen has more potential to be an absolute elite superstar in this league than Jalen Hurts. Are we just going based off talent, or are we going based off we can lead a team? I mean, also, Allen has a few seasons on, on Hurts. I mean, this is really Hurts' second full year as a starter. So how did Burrow go ahead of Allen then? Well, Burrow's been to a Super Bowl. Yeah, and, well, uh, yeah. I mean, but, you know. And, and he's beaten yeah, Allen he's in the playoffs. He's also beaten Mahomes four times, but Mahomes yeah. hasn't beat him, so. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're going to talk more Burrow and Mahomes when we get to Kansas City and Cincinnati, but we have to, you know, pick things up here a little bit. Uh, before we move on to that, I want to go around, get all your guys' predictions from Sunday. Uh, Man, I mean, hey, I went against the Birds last time, so I might, unfortunately. Then again, if my man Jimmy Garoppolo was healthy, I would really, they wouldn't be, like, you know, 
it would be an easy game, but I unfortunately I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to go with the birds. I'm gonna have to go with the Eagles. Unfortunately, we're just talking birds Niners right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're gonna talk about Cincinnati and Kansas City next. I'm picking the birds to win. I, like I said earlier, I think top to bottom roster. I think the Eagles have the best team in the NFL this year in terms of roster layout. Just all around the trenches, the secondary, the skill positions. I think at the end of the day, it's gonna be too much. Brock Purdy, great story, but hasn't been to the link yet and i think he's in for a rude awakening with that crowd i think everything's just coming together for the eagles i think eagles win that's a that's a biased answer but you know you know (laughs) it's just a little biased uh so this one might shock a bunch of people uh i'm gonna say niners 38 14 (laughs) over the eagles uh i think that eagles fans who are wasting over a grand to go watch this game are going to watch their team just get absolutely smoked. It's, it's enough with the cupcake schedule that the Eagles have had. They're going to play a real team now, and they're going to face it, and they're going to lose. Nick, you're not going to give them at least more than 14? Like, that's 14? No, I think 38-14, yeah. Wow. I think this game's not going to be close. I think the Bengals game will be close. I think this game will be close. Wait, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out whether you're being serious or not I'm right now. <laughs> Nick Carlson is dead serious about... 38-14, you said? 38? Yeah, yeah, 38-14, and the Eagles will have a late touchdown. It'll be 38-7, it'll be 38-14 <laughs> okay. at the end. All right. So when it, when it comes to me, uh, just looking at the roster layout, like Rizzo said before, um, you go through, they're very equal at a lot of uh, you know positions. The edge, though, goes to quarterback with Jalen Hurts. Eagles proved last week, I mean, just putting it on the Giants. That game was over after the first two offensive drives for the Giants. Eagles, you know, proved who they were all season last week, and I I don't see any way that they stop next, um, you know, this week on Sunday. It's going to be a close one. Still going to have to go with the Birds, though, probably 24-21, as much as I don't like to say that. Um, but, you know, sometimes the, the truth hurts, so I'll, uh, I'll own up to it. That was a little, little Jalen Hurts pun, but just kind of went over your guy's head. I'm going to move on <laughs> as we're going to talk okay. about the Bengals and the Chiefs now. And this one, I, I mean, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, a rematch from last season, Mahomes yeah. versus Burrow. And Mahomes is going to be coming in, you know, a little limpy. Videos that we've seen this week from him during practice, though, and him walking around in media sessions, he's moving on it pretty fine, which I don't know how, first of all, with a high ankle sprain. I mean, this guy actually might be made of, I don't know, some different type of material that allows his body to, to heal and regenerate faster than anyone. It's not Terry Cloth. But do you guys still think that the injury is going to play a factor with how Mahomes plays on Sunday? I think it will definitely play a factor. I know that we've seen the tweets. You know, he is moving well out there at practice. But I just think the game is going to be a whole different beast for Mahomes to overcome. We saw last week uh, throughout the remainder of the game after he got hurt, he he was certainly limping on that ankle. And you know that he woke up the next day and he was feeling it as well. You know, practice, I think you're able to mask it a little bit, especially only to the clips that the media got. The media clips don't tell the whole story to me. I just think once we get into game time, I think it's going to play a factor on Mahomes. And I think that with Mahomes not being fully healthy, I think it could have a significant impact on the outcome of the game. I think it's one of those things where it's a high ankle sprain, and I've never had a high ankle sprain, but you know it's it's an eight-week injury, nine, ten, yeah. yeah. So I feel like you got to think, even if a lineman kind of hits him in the leg, if someone falls on him, even if it's early in the game, 
that's going to impact him. And we know that Mahomes likes to kind of play off the script. He likes to kind of scramble around. That's where we know Mahomes does the majority of his damage. So the fact that that kind of part of his game isn't there anymore, it's going to be really tough, especially with a good D-line with Trey Hendrickson, DJ Reader. Those guys are going to be going after Mahomes, and it's going to be tough to kind of get around those guys if you're Mahomes with that liability. I mean, do you really think it's going to be hard for him to, like, get the ball off knowing that he can, like, He's not going to be limited to scramble, but he still has that arm to where he would, like, you know, he can throw it into the pocket still. You know what I mean? Like, I, like he can get a lot of receivers just by – he doesn't have to scramble too much if his, like, offensive line protects him decent enough to where he doesn't have to scramble knowing if he's, like, limited on his mobility. But I think he'll still be able to make those throws even if with, like, limited mobility. My know? thing is what do you think percentage-wise Mahomes is at right now? Like – I mean, that's a high angle sprain. So, I mean, that's, like, also triggering really uh, – I'll probably say, like, maybe, like, 65. So then you got to think at 100% the last four times they've played the Bengals, they've lost all four. So you got to think that you're at a little bit of a disadvantage here. If Not necessarily. I mean, and you don't have Tyreek Hill. I mean, you got a game plan. You got to do – I mean, I mean, look what they did without Tyreek Hill. So, I mean, this is a whole new game plan now. I, mean, I, also, I think Bancaro is, is going to be a huge X factor for the Chiefs mm-hmm. on Sunday. If they can find a way to run the ball and try to, you know, mitigate some of Mahomes getting out, not having to get out of the pocket as much, make defense a lot more honest, That's that could help them. But, yeah, I still have to think that Mahomes being injured is definitely going to be a factor in this one. If it was a high ankle sprain, because there's, there's no way that he is anywhere near – I thought exactly like 65% too. Yeah. I was going to give him 70 just because he's kind of superhuman. But at the same time, that that's still, you know. That's, that's pain. That's, that's pain. pain. Yeah. And if I, if I look at it, what makes Mahomes Mahomes is the things that he does once the play starts to unravel a little bit. You know, once he starts to get out of the pocket and you see all these highlight reel plays that he makes, that's, that's all him creating that on his own once the play breaks down he makes something happen and that's what makes Mahomes the best quarterback in the league if I look at him on Sunday and he's delegated to just a pocket passer role I think that's a significant blow to the Chiefs offense and that's a blow considering Mahomes isn't going to be able to make as many superhero plays I think that's going to be a serious factor in this game especially considering the Bengals talent that they have across the defensive line like Nick Carlson said it's going to be tough for Mahomes and the Chiefs to overcome that. All right, so now I want to hear from all you guys because we've talked about Mahomes as a factor. I want you to tell me, other than Mahomes, who's going to be your biggest factor on Sunday and why they're going to contribute to the team that wins. Which means also tell me who's going to win on Sunday. It's kind of tricky right there. Um... For some reason, I I really believe that Jamar Chase is going to explode just because of how many times the, he has played this team. Um, That's my X factor. In terms of who's going to win, that's kind of hard to debate still because who's to say that what if Patrick Mahomes has a, a, you know, let's say they do keep him in a pocket and he still completes his passes, still gets those first downs, still leads them into the end zone. There's still a possibility. Every time you do, it's like having Tom Brady in doubt at times. It's crazy, the comparison, but it's like having Tom Brady in doubt. You want to put Patrick Mahomes in doubt, it's like kind of proven on multiple occasions, except for that one Super Bowl when he tried to make every play a superhero play. But I want to say the Chiefs in this one because, but Jamar Chase is going to, one one thing they have to gate plan for because 
That's tough. Going back to your point, Connor, about the Chiefs and Pacheco having to transition more to kind of a run-centric offense with Mahomes banged up, I think that's a great point, and I think the Chiefs are going to try and do that, kind of try and take the ball out of Burrow's hands a little bit. But because of that, it's it's a serious factor to the to the Chiefs not being able to, you know, maybe run their full offense with Mahomes banged up. And I think the X factor is going to be Jamar Chase and the rest of the Bengals' skill players. Mm-hmm. I think the Chiefs, they have Andy Reid, they have Patrick Mahomes. They're going to basically be able to execute any game plan that they put out there. But at the end of the day, I think Burrow and the Bengals' offense is just too explosive, especially with a banged-up Mahomes and a banged-up Chiefs' offense because of it. I just think the Bengals' offense is going to be too powerful at the end of the day for the Chiefs to overcome. I think the Bengals are going to win this one by a score. I think they're going to win around 34-27. Mr. Carlson, mm. please step to the stand. <laughs> So I think it's not going to be a specific person. I think it's going to be more of just a specific group of players. I think it's going to be the D-line and the offensive line for the Chiefs and the Bengals. I think it's going to be tough because if if Hendrickson and Reeder and uh, Sam Hubbard can get to Mahomes, that's going to be the game changer. Because if it's the pressure with Mahomes, he can't really run away. It's going to be tough for him. So if that offensive line can hold up and it's a lot of short passes – then I could see the Chiefs pulling it out, but mm-hmm. it's been 27-24 the last time, the last three times these teams have played. So I'm going to say 27-24 again. The Bengals are going to win. I am also going to be choosing the Bengals. Wow. And I, I love Carlson's point about, you know, trench warfare, just getting down and dirty in the trenches on the offensive, defensive line. It's where most games are won. I am going to have to side with one part of that, though. It's the Bengals' D-line. They make a difference in big moments. They did it again, They did it last year. And just shout out the Bengals' offensive line, too, which seems to always be bad for the past three seasons that Burrow has been been the quarterback for them. Yet, they're on the steps of heading to their second consecutive Super Bowl, which is pretty crazy for a terrible offensive line. And just to make one more point about this, I said heading into the divisional round, I had a feeling it would be Chiefs-Bengals in the Mm -hmm. AFC Championship. At that time, I picked the Chiefs to win, even with the whole Burrow-Mahomes history. You know, Burrow, he is 3-0 against Mahomes throughout their career. So that that's a stat that you could do what you wish with that. But I said that the Chiefs would come out on top ultimately because they have Patrick Mahomes, they have Chris Jones, they have Travis Kelsey. I just thought those guys would be too much of an X factor at the end of the day. But now solely based on the fact that Mahomes is banged up, the severity of the injury. If this was the regular season, he would miss games. Mm. Like that's for sure. I don't. Sure. He, he's not going to be close to a hundred percent. As a result, I think the Bengals are going to win. Yeah, I mean, my Super Bowl prediction from the get-go was Bengals Eagles. It is looking like it might come to fruition, and I'm going to have to go with the Bengals, like Carlson said before, 27-24. So my question is, and I don't know if we talked about this in the itinerary, but Nick, for you as an Eagles fan, let's say the Eagles win at three o'clock. What team are you hoping loses on on that AFC game? Which team would you rather face? I would rather face the Chiefs in the Super Bowl at this point. And I know that that's kind of crazy to say, you know, what saying you want to face Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. But now, just pointing right back to it, Patrick Mahomes is banged up. And even if you look at Patrick Mahomes, go, going into the divisional round, I would have said that I would have rather faced the Chiefs as well. Just because from a top-to-bottom roster standpoint, I think the Bengals just have the Chiefs beat in a large majority 
of positions offensively and defensively. I just think the Bengals have a better roster makeup overall than the Chiefs. I think throughout a large majority of the season, Mahomes was kind of forced to play superhero ball. And, you know, as a result, he's going to be the MVP of the league this year. But in my opinion, superhero ball doesn't really win in the playoffs, especially now considering that the guy is banged up. So if the Chiefs were to advance to the Super Bowl and the Eagles were to, I would feel a lot more confident than if we had to face the Bengals. All right. um, I'm going to transition us to the NBA. There's another NFL topic I wanted to discuss, but unfortunately we're kind of tight on time right now. But before I transition into the NBA, Shomer, it looked like you had something that you might have wanted to say. So I just want to get your thoughts before we transition to the NBA. At this point, I just... I just can't believe all you guys would just doubt Patrick Mahomes like this. Has he like you know is his superhero? I feel like it's doubting because like you know his superhero play like team. They're a good team, but like who's to say this is still Patrick Mahomes, right? If we're gonna keep saying Joe Burrow has his number, right? But we put Patrick Mahomes as the elite quarterback. What are we talking about then? Well, it's not just a one thing rule when it comes to you know ranking the best players in the league. Just because you lose to someone doesn't mean that you're automatically worse than them. So, like, Mahomes can be better than Burrow, but still lose to him in head-to-head matchups. And I really just think it has to do with the Bengals being really clutch on their defensive line, just figuring out ways to get pressure to, you know, the point you talked about before is is trying to make, you know, those superstar quarterbacks like Patrick Mahomes and Tom Brady, you know, uncomfortable. The only thing you can do is try to get them on the ground. So, I mean, the Bengals have been able to do that in these matchups. And also, you look at the Chiefs' offensive weapons. They're not even anywhere close as they were last year and comparing them to this year's Bengals squad too. I mean, they don't compare. So to me, it's, it is a lot more than just about, um, you know, Burrow Mahomes. I think there's a lot more factors at play. And, but at the same time, even though if I'm confident in my Bengals pick, wouldn't be surprised to see Patrick Mahomes be Superman real quick before we go to break. This is a quick yes, no from every single one of you guys. Could Mahomes Burrow be the next Brady Manning rivalry. I'm not gonna wait. So who is it? Burrow and Burrow Mahomes. I'm not gonna lie. I thought of Josh Allen first, just because wow. just because of the, kind of the games they had. I think it's between all three of them. I mean, mm. if it's Buffalo Cincinnati, that's gonna be a good game. If it's Kansas City Buffalo, Kansas City Cincinnati, either or. I think that those three are gonna have such a difficult time over the next what is it, 10 years? They're all like 25, 26. Yeah. It's just going to be them three for the next 10 years in the AFC. And anyone else who kind of squeaks past them, it's going to be quite the upset because those three are such good at, or so good at playing football that it's just they're going to be the big rivalry. Mm. Mm. I think that at this current moment with what we've seen, I think Mahomes and Burrow have a better chance to make that happen than Josh Allen would. Right. I think I saw I saw a comparison the other day. It was, you know, it's kind of similar to like the Mahomes, Brady, the Manning, Burrow. And then they snuck another guy in there for Josh Allen. They said Phillip Rivers for Josh Allen. Whoa. You know, real strong arm, huge arm, talented, always gets his team to the playoffs, always puts up numbers, but at the end of the day, just does not get it done in the postseason. That's what we've seen from Josh Allen so far. I'm hoping that that's not what we continue to keep seeing. But based off the evidence that we have at hand right now, I think Mahomes and Burrow have just shown a tendency to come up in the big moment more than Josh Allen, and I don't even think that's debatable. So I think that Mahomes and Burrow certainly have the highest potential in the AFC to kind of cement that rivalry for the next decade. 
Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to be leading the next great QB rivalry as we go into the future. Uh, you definitely add Josh Allen in that conversation as well. But now we're going to switch things over to the NBA, where the NBA announced their all-star game starters. And just going through them real quick, for the East, you have Giannis, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell. And for the West, you have LeBron James, Zion Williamson, Nikola Jokic, Steph Curry, and Luka Doncic. How is Joel Embiid not starting for the East in this year's 2023 NBA All-Star Game? I'm tired of it. It's I'm not even a Sixers fan, and I'm tired of it. <laughs> Thank you. Finally, it's somebody is on Joel Embiid's side. It's ridiculous, side. man. I, I just don't get it, it, bro. You have two Nick fans right here openly admitting that <laughs> there is no way Joel Embiid should not be the starter for the East. The things this guy does on the basketball court, it, every night I look forward so much to watching the Sixers game solely because of Joel Embiid. You know, the Jokic Embiid argument, that's, another, that's a conversation for another day. Um, but in terms of the East All-Star game, I mean, KD, he hasn't played a game in like three weeks. Three plus weeks, KD hasn't played a game and he gets elected in over him. But... This all comes back to the fans having 50% of the vote because I think that that's absolutely ridiculous. I'm tired of that, too. I think that the players and coaches should have the highest percentage of the vote and then the media and then the fans because we've seen the All-Star game in the past, you know, extremely flawed with the fan votings, you know, fans voting in players that undeservedly shouldn't be there. Uh, But, you know, even Jason Tatum, he's having a great season. I could see him being a starter. Giannis, he's doing his thing out there. I could see him being a starter. But to me, Joel Embiid and Kevin Durant isn't really a discussion just based off the fact that Kevin Durant hasn't played basketball in three-plus weeks, and it's just absolutely ridiculous. This guy leads the Eastern Conference in scoring for the second straight season. I just don't know how he's not getting the respect that he deserves. I can't even tell you the last time i seen Kevin Durant actually play in an All-Star game, and he gets voted in as a starter every single year. That hurts me. It it's 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 pretty crazy. I mean, you pointing out fans having fifty percent of the vote. Yeah, it probably is a, lo- a little ridiculous. But also, you have to think that there's probably some some media members who are just not seeing what everyone else is seeing because it, it seems to me that most of the fans, you know, see what's happening in front of them and knows it's amazing. It's it's just um, it's unfortunate that Embiid's not going to get the I guess personal recognition that. He has kind of deserved over the past two seasons, even though I do agree with uh, Jokic winning back-to-back MVPs. But that's another conversation yeah, that we can sure. talk about at some point. Who, who do you guys want to see as, as reserves for the All-Star game? Well, I, I just want to say that I think it's the, the All-Star game is a popularity contest. Because when you think about it, the fans are the ones who are watching it. So they're going to send everyone in. So when you think about it... Not all the time. Uh, well, you got to think Kevin Durant or Joel Embiid. Who's more popular? The coach is going to pick both. But the fans are going to take Kevin Durant. Yeah. But the fans would take both if they could. Too. Uh, yeah, but. If you had a chance to take Kevin Durant and Joel Embiid, would you take both? Yeah, but you can't in this situation. It's it's because there's there's the starters. So you got to think Giannis is going to be taken. You got to think Kevin Durant, and then you got Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum. All those guys are going to get in. And what? Joel Embiid's the, the six. He's got He's got to be right there, right? He's got to be that six guy. So. Uh, but I think some uh, of the all-star snubs, uh, Gilgis Alexander is probably one, uh, Halliburton. Uh, I don't understand why Zion's in the all-star game. What, what's he played, 15 games? Like, yeah, that, I, that I don't I'm get still, it. I mean, he came out and said it himself. Even, what's it called, Sabonis and uh, 
with something somebody else. Sabonis definitely should have been an All Star starter over him, and he admitted that. So that was even something that was shocking myself. I mean, I believe that too. Even Demontis Sabonis should have been an All Star starter for a very long time. I think it should have been Aaron Gordon. I just want to see what him in, as I a w- starter. I just want to see him in the dunk contest. Oh, okay, That's as an All Star, just for the reserve. Okay, I would just okay. send him in okay. just because of that. <laughs> nah, I mean no, because at this point, I would be, I would if I was him, I, I why at this point? Well, I, I mean, lost for the last three times I did it. If you're the NBA, you'd love it, because yeah. I mean, what, what are like the most watched dunk? Uh, yeah, contests of Gordon. all time. It, it's Aaron yeah. Gordon. And I mean, if you get him back into the dunk contest, and the one thing that you have to agree to is, hey, you're an all star this year. I mean, that's, that's going to draw on a lot, lot more fans. But that's, yeah, but now you're just asking to be an all star. And then now anybody else can, like, oh, yeah, put me in this event. If I become this, then I'll do this event. And then next, you know, everything, it's going to be a trickle effect after that. Well, I mean, it's it's yeah, a popularity contest. Though. You're Dude. telling me Ja Morant versus Aaron Gordon in the dunk contest <laughs> won't be cool? Like, first of all, you think. <laughs> Aaron Gordon as an all-star is cool? I, it doesn't matter. I'm just saying, right? like, I'm, I'm just saying, do you even think he was playing at an all-star level this season? No, but I, I think it'd be interesting just to see a dunk contest with John Morant and Aaron Gordon. I think that would be cool. Like, the all-star game is just, it's a joke. It's, it's not it's, all it's, pro. It's, yeah. It's, it's not all, I mean, all NBA. It's, yeah. it's on rookie mode in NBA 2K. Not it's, necessarily. No, 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 no. I mean, after the format got changed, I mean, like, The new this, format is cool. The new format into the fourth quarter. Oh, come on. When we play in the fourth quarter, that's like when, if all four of us decided to play right now. That's what it feels like when you watch that fourth quarter in the All Star game. But I mean, I don't know. I honestly, I think it's I think it's fine where it's at. Um, in terms of fan voting, it, it is I like it because it's just interesting to see what fans would really put. And you know, Austin Reeves was up there. He had a lot of votes. You know, why not get Austin Reeves in the All Star game? Here's another thing with the fan voting. You know, going back to the whole popularity contest thing, it it completely is because Zion Williamson top three in fan voting, like. The guy hasn't played in how long? Like, he got hurt against the Sixers beginning of January, hasn't played since. Before that, he missed games. I think the one of the biggest snubs in the Western Conference outside of Shai Gilgis-Alexander, I think that was the biggest. But I think the second biggest was Laurie Markin and not being a starter. Yeah. I think he could be a starter in there over Zion. He was fifth in Western Conference frontcourt fan voting. LeBron, Jokic, that's obvious. But then Zion and AD above Laurie Markkinen. I don't agree with that. Markkinen averaging 25 points, 9 rebounds, 52% from the field, and 43% from deep. I mean, who expected the Jazz team to even be somewhat competitive heading into the season after giving up Donovan Mitchell? Markkinen's done a great job going into that number one scoring option role for Utah and being that big that they also traded away with Rudy Gobert. He's really just been the whole package for Utah this season and is one of the main reasons why they're still staying afloat in the Western Conference. Well, they're actually 10th right now. Well, that, that you could argue that that is being a playoff tournament contender. You could argue that that's better than what some people would have expected, yeah, considering I, their roster lookout coming into this season. I expected them to be better than the Rockets. I expected them to be better than the Spurs. I expected them to be better than the Trailblazers. Yes, even with Dame, I expected them to be better than the Trailblazers because you know why? They still had Mike Conley. They still had he was. What did Mike Conley do? He took a team to the Western Conference Finals. Good player. I, I don't think coming into the season it would have been a crazy statement to say Utah would have been competing for a bottom three seed in the West. Yeah, I think not we were talking three. about him, Victor Wembanyama concept. Yeah, it contest. is. It is true. But mm-hmm. did you really like? You know, they only said yes. that due to the fact they got once they got rid of Gobert, it was like okay, yeah. No, I, I, I no, even with Gobert, I mean, I, I thought they were going to be terrible. I, I thought as soon as they got rid of Mitchell, that but was going to be out of them. Colin Sexton is not a good NBA no, player. No, they're, they're all good. 
but that, that's the thing with the Jazz. They have a lot of good players. Yeah, but and look what they've done with good players so far. Yeah, it, it's it's a good outlook. It's a it's a it's a nice season where you thought you were going to be one of the worst teams in the NBA, but you're still you know just outside the plan. And th- this isn't a takeaway from Laurie Market and and the rest of the Jazz, who got off to a really good start to the season. Second part of, of the first half hasn't been great for them though, as they're they're kind of coming back down to earth now. Yeah, they started off really hot. But, yeah, kind of coming back down to earth recently. But if you're a Jazz fan, I don't think you could really be any more happy with what you've seen this season. Oh, yeah, you oh, got to yeah, be elated. Sure, and sure, all those picks sure. you got from the Rudy Gobert trade. Ridiculous. I mean, that's a terrible trade. Highway robbery. But we're going to have to take a quick break. Be sure to stick around, though, because we're going to finish up our NBA talk with a couple games that were played yesterday that I, I kind of want to talk about a little bit. And then we're going to wrap things up with our top five top 2022 sport moments be sure to stick around for offsides right here on roan radio 89.7 wgls fm What's your pop flavor? Tune into Pop Flavor every Monday through Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. Home of the hottest pop hits on the market. From Selena Gomez to Justin Timberlake, Drake, and more. It's a lot of bad things that they wish and wish and wish. You know what's good? Stop by for a taste of pop flavor. Pop Flavor. Yo, pop rocks on pop flavor. Monday through Friday from 6 to 8 p.m. On Rowan Radio, 89.7 WGLS-FM. Ready for our little forest adventure? Yes! We're here! Whoa! That was fast! There's a forest closer than you think. Find a park or forest near you and music inspired by nature at discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by USDA Forest Service and the Ad Council. Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS FM and every Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. Tune in to Rowan Radio for everything special needs. Join host Shu Schilling in supporting parents in the special needs community with information on important resources. Hear from a variety of local specialists intent on helping all your children thrive. That's everything special needs every Saturday at 8 a.m. right here on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS FM. Also online at RowanRadio.com. Before the break, we were discussing how we thought the NBA All-Star Game starters uh, were were announced and who we thought the snubs were. But now we're going to get into some actual regular season action as the New York Knickerbockers last night took down the Boston Celtics 120-117 in OT, large part to Julius Randle and Jalen Brunson who combined for 66 points and R.J. Barrett who hit a big three in OT. And also shout out to Jalen Brown for missing those two free throws at the end that even made the win possible. Shomer, as a fellow uh, Knicks fan, how are you feeling about that game last night? Man, I'm just – well, you can attest to this too, Connor. Doesn't it feel good to just see, like, a point guard out there for us mm-hmm. just doing well? But that I'm not – let me not take away Julius's shine because Julius Randle 
for all the flack I gave him last season, this is the Julius Randle we've been asking for. Since that Absolutely. most improved award that he got, this is the Julius Randle we've been asking for. And I'm just so happy that he's, like, you know, he's taking that next step. He's actually, like, the refs aren't calling all those, like, you know, bully fouls that because, you know, he's a big body. They're not calling all those fouls, offensive fouls on him anymore. He's uh, playing a bit smarter. He's not really, like, you know, arguing with the refs too much about his calls. You just, like, you know, take it, and then he just gets it done. I mean, you've seen the dunk he had on Al Horford yesterday. The uh, And Jason Tatum. Oh, yeah. Yeah, two posters. Yes, and it was it was just lovely to see. I, I just – this is the Julius Randle that I guess we – were expecting when we got him in free agency that year when he signed with the Knicks. So, I mean, hopefully this could propel us to do great in the playoffs. I mean, currently right now we are the seventh seed. And if the playoffs started today, we will be going up against the uh, Philly Philadelphia 76ers. That would be rough. Yeah, it would be rough, but I mean, we still have the plan so determine the seating there at at the at the uh, you know, bottom of the Eastern playoff, you know, conference playoff standings or, or whatever you want to call it right um you know with the Knicks being that situation right now um before uh the show some reports came out that the Knicks had offered multiple first round picks for OG and an OB it was reported to be three first round picks which is uh quite a lot if you ask me I, I, I don't hate it though uh but apparently the asking price for OG and an OB is even greater than that yeah but anyway me bringing that up is you know I kind of want to shoot this over to both Knicks, uh, you know, being Rizzo, being a Sixers fan, Carlson, are you a, a Knicks fan? I forget what you are. Uh, yeah, I'm, I I don't really follow basketball as much as everyone else. Gotcha. I, I like mm-hmm. the Knicks. I like the Nets. Right, I well, don't mind the Sixers. Well, there we go. But anyway, oh, okay. I, I kind of want to get your guys' okay. uh, perspective on whether or not the Knicks should add someone to try to, you know, not only be a playoff contender, but to try to chase that that title. Well, if the Knicks are trying to chase the title, they're gonna need to add some more pieces because as well, the roster. Well, that's that's what I mean go. by the by the question is should should they buy in fully to the season by adding someone at the break, or do you think that they should just keep what they have and move forward with it? <sighs> For the rest pieces. of the season, I don't really think there's a move that you can make to kind of vault right into title contention right at this deadline. I mean, if you if you look at the landscape of the NBA, really the top guy that comes to mind for me that could be available at the deadline is Zach Levine. And in terms of the Knicks, I don't even know what you would throw in there to maneuver some sort of trade with that. But in terms of this season, just at the deadline, it's kind of been quiet recently. Really one of the top names that have really been going around consistently is Bogdan Bogdanovich on Detroit. And really that's not going to push the needle for the Knicks in any way. But I, I think for this season, the Knicks should try to build some chemistry, try to establish some sort of culture, and then shift your focus to free agency once that comes around. Because, you know, you need to build a sort of culture and chemistry within your team to be a title contender. And if you build that and then add the star that you need, then that's when things start to change for the franchise. So I think the Knicks should just do that for the rest of this season, just continue to build your culture, and then shift your focus to free agency and try and rebuild your roster there. It's kind of rough right there. Um, yeah, because I actually kind of agree with you. Nick, what, what do you got to say? Listen, I'm going to be honest. I don't know who O.J. Adenubi is, so oh he, he must not OG, be. man, not O.J. He and must not be that good. So I think that when you're going to get rid of your first-round picks, 
That's you're saying that that OG what OG yeah is that his OG name? OG yeah. OG oh, I'm just gonna call him a newbie. Uh, <laughs> when a newbie is that his name a newbie? And an Okay, I'm just gonna call him the Raptors guy. So okay. the Raptors guy, you gotta be thinking that your first round picks that he is better than those first round picks. So as the Knicks, you're gonna be kind of in that mid range. You could get one, two, three good guys in that first round over the next couple of years. Do you really want to waste it? On some guy in the Raptors. I mean, I, the, I mean, let me let me put it in like football perspective for you. So like, if that's like you know, Cleveland giving up multiple first round picks to try to get Odell Beckham Jr. to come to the to the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, why would you want to do that? That's, I mean, but look at what Odell like. You know, but, you were ecstatic when he got there, right? I mean, yeah, I bought his jersey and then I I burned it after he left. Oh. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> but here's the thing too, though, with NBA first round picks, they're not as valuable as NFL. First yeah. round picks because there's only two two rounds of the draft in the NBA, and where the Knicks are going to be picking right now, it's going to be in the twenty range, and yeah. a lot of the other ones too. So they 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 lose a lot of value. So I think if you can you know try to package maybe not three, maybe two to get a guy like OG Ananobi, it would be a positive thing for the Knicks. Yeah, because I believe we got three first round picks from the Thunder still. If we haven't made any moves during the off season or uh, during uh, the season actually to for those those picks but i know we definitely have those three um which is really interesting so it, it I still got to see what we're going to do with those i think we're going to use those more as trading pieces to probably get players like og but i think we're looking for somebody like because they still got to figure out what they want to do with rj mm-hmm. in a sense because like clearly you could tell the two best players like are jalen brunson and Julius Randle. I mean, we already knew it was Julius. We were hoping for RJ to still make that leap. He's making the leap slightly every year, but it's still like, I don't know. I feel like the the, the, the connotation of being the third overall pick still not, well, 50% of the time makes you seem like like the best player in your class, you know? Because I think Jalen Brown was also the third round pick in his class, and look what Jalen Brown's doing. You know? So, I mean, there's and there's a whole bunch of third round picks in, in the history. Uh, Cam, look, Ra- Cam Reddish play? No. Oh, he, that's he, that's a whole other. I don't even want to. I yeah, I don't even want to talk about him. Because I actually rough, wanted man. to talk about another game with you guys before we get to the top five. The Mavericks defeating the Suns last night, ninety-nine to ninety-five. Despite Luka Doncic only playing three minutes, he got hurt. And yeah. I mean, recently it just seems like the Mavs just absolutely own the Suns. But even in a win, I mean, this is almost a bigger loss for them losing Luka. And it was the first time all season they won without Luka, you know, playing. I wanted to, you know, pose this question to you guys. This is kind of something that I, I think about kind of often in when we're talking about how you want to build an NBA franchise for long-term success. Um, does it really make sense to build your franchise solely around a guard, a ball-dominant guard, or even just a ball-dominant player that has, you know, through-the-roof usage rate with the rest of the team just being a bunch of cast of characters that kind of defer to him and just some examples that I, i've thought about in history it's been you know harden's days in houston before they got you know chris paul because i mean that was two superstar pairing uh westbrook in his mvp season you know didn't really have a lot of elongated success with the thunder after that uh you know some of the stuff with lillard too um so i just kind of want to get your guys thoughts on uh what, what you think about that well my thing is like luca's top three player in the NBA right now, if not one or two, you got to think, just get him one more guy. I mean, a center, uh, another guard like you talked about, Chris Paul. I mean, you look at the roster of the Mavs, 
it's like Tim Hardaway, and that's all I really yeah. know as a name. So yeah. I, th- I feel like if you get him one more guy, the Mavericks can get somewhat near that hump because Luke is just such a dominant player that he's just he just needs one more guy. Yeah, and personally, I agree that Luka definitely needs more help. I mean, there's no question about that. But to me, in the NBA, I, I've kind of changed my stance on this as the, as the years have gone on. I, I don't think it's necessarily all about talent in the NBA anymore. As, you know, me, along with many others back during the Golden State days, during their prime, you know, it's easy to point and say, well, it is all about talent. They had Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, but... You know, Steve Kerr, he did a great job of establishing that culture in the locker room during that time as well. And that's something that doesn't really get credited as much for the Warriors dynasty. It wasn't just all the talent and the players they put out on the floor. That's kind of what I see with Luka. He, like uh, Nick said, he's a top three player in the NBA. At the minimum, I think he could push for best player in the NBA status. But, you know, it's not all about that. He needs pieces around him. And they need a center and they need a culture in that locker room and on that team. You can't just say to Luca, hey, go out there and drop 50 for us and we're going to win the finals. Because to me, that's not how the NBA works. Well, I'll, I, I disagree. Because at some point we've seen in the history of ball dominant players end up winning for their teams. Could, could you name um, who they are, though? Yeah, Michael Jordan. But then uh, LeBron James. Uh, you just named Kobe the, Bryant. You just named some of the the greatest players of all time. The two Hakeem best players. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you start off with the two best players of all time. I mean, I'm, I and, can keep going. Hakeem Olajuwon. No, no, but the, they're not. LeBron is 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 the, the example of the high usage guy winning, you know, an NBA title. Yeah, right? like he he's very much like the rare exception. You you've seen franchises try to replicate something like that, you know, with Houston. What Oklahoma City was trying to do. I mean, Houston was close. Houston was close, but they didn't. They didn't get it. If they didn't miss twenty three or twenty nine threes in a row, then they probably could have done something. But, but in terms, lost. in terms of that, I I really believe it's like like I said, it was within the history because eras. The era has changed within each of those players I've named. It was different eras for how they each won. So now when we're in this new era where it's high, like it's uh, high shooting and threes. Like there's so many shooting attempts in every game compared to how it was in the last era. So where when you have a ball dominant guard, you're gonna have to figure out a way to either he has to be effective enough to where him being dominant and shooting in the way in this era will make winning basketball to a certain degree. But at the same time, it can also hurt your team to where it's like okay, you have valuable players on your roster, but then you're saying oh now Luca needs help, but Christian Wood is a valuable player. Tim Hardaway is also a valuable player. These are all valuable players on other champion that could be on championship teams to help propel those teams to another thing. It's just the fact that Luca is just so good ball dominantly is just that it takes away the talent from everybody else. And when you look at it, yes, Spencer Dinwiddie, you see what Spencer Dinwiddie as soon as Luca got injured, Spencer just went out there and did his thing. I think if you look at your point about Michael Jordan, Michael Jordan had a way of rallying his team and, he had a way of rallying his his team and getting them to go out and put forth 100% effort every single night. That's the way that Jordan went about his mis- went about his business and that fed off of him onto his other teammates. And I feel like that's a part of the reason outside of MJ's talent obviously why they were able to have that all that success that they did in the 90s. I think in order if you want to be a ball dominant guard like that and be able to win a championship, I think you do need 
those intangibles to kind of rally your team and, you know, motivate them to put forth 100% effort every single night. But you also need the talent around you as well. You know, Michael had Scotty, Dennis Rodman, you know, players that did different things than he did and kind of played off him and allowed the Bulls to be a complete team. I don't think the Mavericks have either of that going for them right now. They don't have the talent around Luka that you need to win a championship. And Luka doesn't have the leadership qualities that, say, MJ did back in his day. Maybe he'll develop them as time goes on, but as it currently stands, the Mavericks, in my opinion, are a ways away from being a true championship contender because of that. They got a long time to go, to be honest. Denver has a better shot than Dallas, honestly, right now. I mean, absolutely. I mean, they're they're 26 and 24 on the season. Yeah. I mean, yeah, but then again, like, isn't it from, like, the 5th to, like, the 12th seed, anybody can, like, be the 5th seed at that point? It, I mean, yeah, it, it's close to that because, I mean, I think the Suns are, are getting back there. And, they, I mean, they were just kind of almost in the cellar not, not too long ago. They, they've rebounded. Uh, my point about ball-dominant guards or just ball-dominant players wasn't just purely about having the ball in your hand most of the time. I'm talking about, like, all the time, bringing it up, looking for your shot right away. I think it can create a lot of stagnant basketball. And a lot of your teammates are not as interested in the game as you are. So it's, it's, it's hard to really kind of like mold as a team when you're, when you're kind of like that. So, I mean, that was just kind of my point with that. But They also still have to establish a culture. And I'm not about to cut you off, but they still have to also establish a culture down in Dallas in order for them to really start winning. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think they definitely have some right pieces going their way, especially when you have Luka. You're always going to be on the right path. But unfortunately, that's all the time we have to talk about the NBA as we have one more segment for you guys as we're just pushing over the hour mark we're gonna go through our top five 2022 sport moments of the the year uh you know we're almost at the month of february but we didn't really have shows after the new year's so i wanted to get your guys personal top five sport moments from last season or Um, last year i should say i think me and nick we are actually sharing one it was um (laughs) it was the vince mcmahon steps away from the wwe uh as we both shared uh, previously on break that we were both WWE fans growing up, and it was like, it was just such a shock to see like, wait, Vince McMahon is selling the, he's selling the WWE. What happened? <laughs> like, you know, I'm just saying, and mm-hmm. it's just to look at the reports of all of it was just like, as a fan, as a child, like that would like really watched it and thought it was real. Um, yeah, that that was that was the craziest thing to me. What about you, Nick? Yeah. So number five, I had the WWE. You know. Big WWE fan growing up, and that was a huge story to me. Um, and then, so number four, I had Brian Robinson getting shot and then returning just a few weeks later. Yeah. Because, you know, when you initially get that report, your first thought is, oh, well, I hope he's going to live. Mm-hmm. And then after that, once you realize that he's in stable condition, you say, oh, well, you know, spend this season, take some time to recover. No, he was out there week three or four. Yeah, that is that was just incredible, and I couldn't believe it. Great story. Great to hear that he had a full recovery. Number three, I have Kyrie Irving and, you know, his whole situation with the vac- vaccine and the anti-Semitism and everything like that. That was a big story around the NBA. In my opinion, the biggest story around the NBA in 2022. And then number two, I had Messi in Argentina winning the World Cup. That's a good one. I thought that was a huge story just because Messi for – you know, over a decade now, he's been considered one of, if not the best, you know, a top two player in soccer. The one thing he was missing on his resume was that World Cup. Finally gets it, and that vaults him into undisputed GOAT status 
in my opinion. Well, not goat. Well, maybe not goat status, but he's absolutely the best player alive at this moment. And then number one is Brady, retiring, unretiring, that whole fiasco. You know, Tom Brady, the greatest football player of all time. That was the biggest story in the biggest league in 2022. So there's my top five. Uh, so my top five is kind of the same thing. I was following uh, following with that article. Uh, five is Tom Brady retiring. Uh, it, it kind of stunk to see him go, but now he comes back, so that's cool. Uh, but Lionel Messi uh, winning the World Cup is number four for me. I don't watch the World Cup. Uh, I was very interested for Messi the whole entire time. Uh, and number three, I kind of went off the rails with this one. I put the Bryce Harper home run. Uh, that was probably one of the biggest moments in all of probably sports this year, uh, besides all the Super Bowls. Uh, Brian Robinson was number two. Uh, basically, Nick summed it up. Uh, getting shot and then coming back to football is a feat within itself. Uh, and then number one for me is a personal one for me. Uh, it's uh, when Live Golf got created. Uh, I've been watching and playing golf since I was probably two years old. So to uh, see another kind of golf situation and thing happen, as well as bring more attention to golf, is just something that I love to see for this whole entire year. Show me got the rest of your list. Yeah, so um, yeah, I'm, my bad. I was just going through the, the just the that was the most shocking one to me. So I I have to put that um. So I'm gonna start from one. Actually, I'll put as Vince McMahon in the WWE as number one. Um, Tom Brady retiring, unretiring. That that's definitely got to be number two because I I just don't get it. Pick one. Um, and then Kyrie Kyrie's whole debacle was number three for me. That was. That was pretty insane um, for how many like media platforms that actually had uh, it trickled onto. So that was that was one that actually made national news. So that was one that was I was shocked. Um, number four probably would have to be Ime Udoka uh, situation in um, in Boston the, and how it became public. Um, that one was really crazy in, in terms of how he uh, it, it was just released to the public and you know apparently according to the NBA stuff like this happens a lot, but it's like you know in in-house type stuff and this one happened to come out so that was a really crazy one um and then to round out what was that four i think five then my last one will probably i mean basketball again when um when they released a video of draymond green punching jordan Poole, that one was uh shocking to me because we actually see like well we don't see it all the time but like you know back in like you know early 2000s they had this video of steve blake of uh fighting one of his uh uh, his uh, teammates during practice and then to now from the time we're in 2020 well that happened in 2022 but to see that now in the video released and like it was okay back then and now it's looking like bro why did you why did he put his hands on him these are good teammates and it's just crazy to see how the times have changed over the years of like you know the, the two different reactions to the same situation of 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 uh, practice fights and usually this happens all the time this one just happened to be exploited all right, for mine, starting at five, I have Georgia beats Alabama in the national championship. Little um, passing of the torch of college football superpowers. Number four, I also had the Bryce Harper home run. Pretty crazy, and it, it made it a little bit cooler that I was you know, around some Philly fans when it happened. Number three, Aaron Judge setting the AL home run season record. And then at number two, I have Brittany Griner, her oh, yeah. being arrested her imprisonment, and then her release. Which was all in the same year, which is crazy. All happened in the same year, directly after Winter Olympics, which we had an Olympics this year, too, just to remind you guys. And then at number one, I have Argentina winning the World Cup. 
that World Cup final was probably the greatest sporting event I've ever watched. It was jam-packed with Mbappe and, I mean, Lionel and Messi going at one another. And just such a, a fairy tale ending for probably the greatest soccer player of all time. And that's going to be it for this Friday edition of Offsides. Once again, thanks to Shomer, Ben Yisrael, Nick Rizzo, and Nick Carlson for coming on here today. This is Connor Brown as I'm going to be the new Friday Offsides host, kicking Danny Ryan right out of his spot. So you'll hear from me every Friday. Once again, thanks for tuning in and have a great weekend. Go Birds. You've been listening to Offsides, a weekly roundtable discussion about the world of professional sports, featuring the diverse perspectives of the Rowan Radio Sports Department. Tune in next Monday, Wednesday, and Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. for another edition of Offsides, only on Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM.